Hi, and welcome to the Authentic Audience Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Ritma. This is a marketing podcast like you haven't heard before. It's about real connections and honest conversations. Why am I here? To remind you that you can fly. If you're brave enough to listen to that calling inside you, I'm here to serve you and show you that marketing can and should be honest, that the truth sells and authenticity wins. So how can businesses and brands build a real and authentic audience? The Authentic Audience Podcast gives you insight into growing your business and marketing strategies to gain real followers and loyal customers. Each week, I create a space of radical honesty for thought leaders and entrepreneurs who have built successful businesses to share their insights on business, marketing, relationships, life, and spirituality. Each episode is sure to remind you the power of storytelling and truth selling. Get ready to get real, get raw, get honest, and keep growing. Holly Morphew, accredited financial counselor and financial coach, author, and multi-generational entrepreneur, has a passion for helping others and an interest in personal wealth. Holly began teaching money workshops for young adults in 2006 as a service project with Rotary International. The project impacted thousands of teens, and in 2008, she was awarded the prestigious Rotarian of the Year Award for her work in financial literacy. Holly's professional background in corporate finance, real estate investing, and entrepreneurship are the foundation for her transformational programs. Her own path to wealth, including eliminating $67,000 in credit card debt in her 20s and reaching financial independence in her 30s, is the inspiration for the Financial Impact System, a three-step blueprint to wealth and financial independence that anyone can follow. Author of the book, Simple Wealth, and pioneer in the personal finance industry, her work has been featured in Forbes, CoBiz Magazine, Yahoo Finance, Femme Founder, and more. Today, Holly speaks, coaches, and writes about money, personal finance, and creating a life of design. I am so happy to have you here. Welcome. Thank you so much. This is awesome. I'm so excited to get into this topic of money and abundance with you. I love talking about money and especially with you. So just a brief backstory on how we know each other. Uh, we were brought together by Aaron Weed, um, who's been on this podcast and is one of my favorite people. So I say that a lot about Aaron and we were both speakers um, at this Avoso Live uh, where I gave my marketing your Dharma speech, um, which I reference all the time. And you gave the best talk on money and totally shifted my mindset. And we just totally flowed and got along and have kind of been in touch here and there supporting each other ever since. So I'm just happy to know you. Oh yeah. Thank you, Krista. I feel like you're my people. (laughs) I feel that. And I just love the way you talk about money. I love to talk about money. I hate that it's taboo. I wish everybody talked about it more. I wish I could scream from the rooftops, the debt we're in, the money we're making. I just think it's so important and um, to talk about. And we have some like couple friends that we do like really disclose specific information with about our finances, but it's this total taboo topic. And I'm just happy to like bring it out in the open. So before we start, what's happening in your world? What are you doing today? Tell me everything. Oh my gosh. Well, I am just so excited about life right now because I spent the past year writing this book and it was published on January 28th and it immediately became a bestseller in nine out of 10 categories. And I mean, besides personal finance and money management and retirement and credit repair and budgeting, the ones that I'm the most excited about are personal transformation and women in business. And I just feel like the fact that it hit number one bestseller so fast in all of those different categories tells me that people want to talk about money in a different way. And, you know, that's what makes this book really special is it's not so much about like the strategy for creating personal wealth and financial independence. It's more about the frame that you put around it and the way you think about it and what are your personal habits and, you know, what are you doing every day and how you can kind of anchor those things to your money. And also, I just want to say, Krista, that it is so cool to hear you say that you love to talk about money 
because that was not the case when we first met. I have turned a huge corner uh, in the last couple of years. And I actually, you know, looking back on it, I think meeting you and hearing your talk was like a pivotal, that was just a pivotal time in my business and my personal development. It's been about two years, I think now, and so much can happen in two years. And I just was speaking to somebody earlier today on the podcast and we had talked about something two years ago and time just totally flies. And the level of confidence, freedom, peace, mm. um, I think peace is the key word I feel around money uh, these days. I've just expanded in so many ways. And I know that the, the things that you talk about, especially the name of your book, Simple Wealth, um, I feel like that just says it all. Like we love to complicate things. We love to make things heavy. We love to make things messy. And one of my mentors always says to me, stop making it so heavy, mm. stop making it so heavy. And I think that you really do that with money and help your clients do that with money in a way that's approachable, digestible, and actually fun. Yeah. Um, so talk to me a little bit more about the book, what this process has been like and what your like actual intention was um, and real purpose was for writing the book and like your prayer for people who read it. Yeah, I love that question. My prayer for people who read it. You know, what I have found, I've been a financial coach now for 15 years. And what I have learned is that there's so much shame and fear around money and it just doesn't have to be that way. And because I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs and real estate investors, we talked about money at the dinner table. And so money was never scary to me. It was always a game. In fact, the first chapter of my book is money is a game. And <laughs> I compare it to volleyball because I played competitive volleyball for 23 years. And I, you know, my prayer for people who read this book is that you realize how simple it is to become financially independent and how you can start making daily choices in your life that not only take you closer to personal wealth, but take you closer to what's beyond creating personal wealth, which is the life that we want to live. And I think the biggest shift for me in my own journey to creating personal wealth, because I haven't, I mean, I'm financially independent today. I became financially independent in my thirties, but I'm not a saint when it comes to money. I'm not perfect when it comes to money. I always say there's no perfection in money, only doing your best. And my journey to, to this point started when I was very young in my twenties. And I, discovered one day in this moment of just sheer fear about this house of cards that I had metaphorically built for myself coming tumbling down because I was living paycheck to paycheck and I was working 70 hours a week and I realized, oh my God, if I don't go to work, then I won't get paid and then I won't be able to pay my bills. And then I thought, hmm, what are my bills? <laughs> you know? And I had been doing, I call it mental accounting, you know, where <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like, I knew kind of what was coming in and I knew kind of what was going out. And then I just felt this pinch when I realized, whoa, you know, if I don't get paid, then I can't keep up this life that I've created for myself. And, and all of that that awareness and that like looking at myself and actually looking at my personal finances made me realize that the whole point of working so hard is because I wanted to create a better life for myself. And that didn't necessarily mean more, more, more. But I think in the world that we live in, we're just, you know, we're taught to do and achieve and, you know, reach success, but no one ever tells us that we can define success for ourselves, and that, right. you know, you don't have to work 40 hours a week and, you know, like you just don't have to do life that way. You can do life however you want. And so the book is really a, a blueprint to, 
get in touch with your core values and then make your money match your core values. And, and the byproduct of that is personal wealth and financial independence. Yeah. I just like exhaled, you know, even just hearing you say that. And there's like so much to unpack here. And the first thing I want to actually go back to is like how you define wealth and how you define financial independence. Like what does that mean to be financially independent? Does that mean you have no debt? Oh, yes. So there is a definition of both. So Let's start with financial independence because that's what excites me a lot about this conversation is financial independence is the point when the income you receive from sources other than a job can pay for your expenses. So our parents call this retirement. Our grandparents call this retirement, but, you know, Gen X and millennials and certainly Gen Z, like retirement in the way that it was presented to us is to me a big fat lie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like you, first of all, money is infinite. Like you can create as much money in your life as you want. There is no ceiling. Um, but we have to start looking at money in a different way. And like, and the light bulb moment for me was, and, and, and I'll get back to the definition of wealth. Cause I think this is an important component of it was that, that day that I realized if I didn't get paid, I couldn't, I couldn't maintain this lifestyle I was living. I called my financial advisor and I was like, Hey, I just discovered last night that I have $67,000 in credit card debt. Please help me. Like, what do I do? And he asked me how much more money I wanted to invest. Mm. And I was like, I don't have any money. Why are you like, you're not even listening. First of all. And second of all, I realized he doesn't even know how to create it. Cause for me, money is freedom and choices. And he didn't even know how to create that. And so that's, that was the moment when I committed myself and really my life to understanding personal finance and money and debt elimination and investing and like what's really happening in the world that we live in that keeps us from achieving that security and the peace of mind that we're looking for. And so I just created this simple, super simple system and I just started following it. And three years later, I was totally debt-free. And then I had money in the bank a few years later. And then in my thirties, I became financially independent. So, you know, the, the definition of wealth, if you Google it is probably going to say it's a combination of having positive cash flow and positive net worth. So that just means every month you have more money than you spent and you have you have positive net worth which means you have assets like you own things that you could sell like a house right. or you know like a retirement account or an investment account that you could liquidate and have some cash. So that's like the modern definition of wealth but wealth t- if you really look at the word wealth and where it comes from, the, the English root of the word wele, which is W-E-L-E, means it's the convergence of happiness, a state of good fortune, and welfare. Hmm. And so to be truly wealthy, you need those three things. And it, like, if you're making a ton of money, but you're not happy, what's the point? Yeah. And I think that's the thing. And I have so many questions, obviously, that I want to like personally ask you right around wealth and, and debt and, and all of this. But I just to go back to what you said about money is infinite. This is something that I have been really like looking at. And this is coming from a lens where I have been incredibly privileged my entire life. My parents paid for my college education. Money was never an issue in my life. And yet somehow I've got to this place where I felt that it was scarce. Um, Never in my life did I go without a roof over my head or a meal or even a new pair of shoes that I wanted, whether it was like 
from Payless or designer, whatever, um, money has always flowed um, since I was a kid. But somehow as a society, you know, we get this idea that it is scarce and that it is super serious and super heavy and we're not safe and security and all this stuff. And it's funny to me because I can't even imagine growing up in a situation where there wasn't wealth, quote unquote, you know, this definition of wealth that we're using, because I had that and I still had this total fear-based approach, scarcity, I'm going to run out, this, that, and the other. And what's changed for me recently is one, I've started praying to the goddess Lakshmi. Um, I got a statue from India. I put her on our mantle and I just like give it all up to Lakshmi. We just had a huge finance meeting yesterday with my team and we said a whole prayer to Lakshmi at the end because it's, it's, it's like you guys can't see me because I'm using my, my hands, but it's like Lakshmi is responsible for like, to me, all of this wealth and all of this money. And there's so much of it. And I've started even just like looking at the houses on my street. Right. I'm like, well, that's $10 million just right there that I can see. Or like, I'll look at, uh, in a, on a, uh, you're in the car on the freeway. And in one minute you pass like, you know, hundreds of thousand dollars of, of cars, right. Just in one minute, it's just like so much money everywhere. And all we need to have financial independence, wealth, it's just a small piece of that pie. Right. And this mindset of like, there's so much of it. There's so much out there. It is so infinite. You can generate it on your own, especially as entrepreneurs, right? There's really no ceiling. It also means there's no basement (laughs) and you can go down, but this idea of there really is no ceiling. And when you lean into the money conversation, which is what I've done the last two years, I had a mentor who's really big in investments and makes like, you know, $200,000 sitting on my couch, you know, in the stock Mm. market. It's totally crazy where I'm like working my ass off all week. And he like clicks a couple (laughs) of buttons and it feels so light to him. And I've watched him do it. And he said to me a couple of years ago, I was like, well, money's not my part of the business. Clay owns that. Katie does my invoices. She does my taxes. Like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't even want to look at what I'm making. And he's like, that's so irresponsible. Mm. Like you should be looking as a business owner every week at your P&Ls, at what's coming in and what's going out more importantly, which you talk about a lot living in your means um, and things like this. And so leaning into the money conversation, fast forward, you know, from like lots of tears uh, to now yesterday where I feel so like empowered knowing, okay, we want to buy a lot of new things for our house. So we've set a budget. What a concept. (laughs) Like talk about mental accounting I've been doing for 30 plus years. So I know, okay, if we hit this, then I can make that purchase or then I can invest in this. And we need to be able to pay off the credit card at the end of every month. And once we can do that, depending on what's net positive, we can da 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 da. And I'm like, okay, so what I'm looking at here is we should wait a month or two before we buy those four things. Right. And it's just like, it takes the emotion out of it. You know, it's just like so rational and practical. It's like, Oh, it's just clearly, you know, these numbers on a screen and, and taking that like heaviness or I didn't make enough or I'm not good enough. It's like, I can't afford that right now. And like, if I do, it means I'm going to go into debt. And like, what does that mean? Because I also want to ask you before we get to, I have a lot of questions, but one thing that's been coming up a lot, um, is like, if debt is good. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's this taboo thing where if you're in like $30,000 worth of debt, that's bad. But if you're in like a million dollars worth of debt, it means you're doing well. Right. (laughs) And so like, what is your take on debt? Like, please enlighten us on like, I, you know, my sister is like such a saver. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, isn't that the money's not getting, uh, you know, she's not getting interest on anything or, or anything. Cause it's just sitting there. So we've like started talking about this a lot. Cause I'm not a saver. So I don't have money sitting there to even have this conversation, but I've been having it with her a lot. And my husband is all about like going into debt is a good thing if you're responsible about it. But I would like to hear from you, the expert, your take on debt. <laughs> well, debt is a tool. It's just like money, you know, once you understand how debt works and how it can be used, 
for better or for worse, then it becomes empowering. Mm. And I always joke that, you know, we have two very well-known financial gurus, we'll call them. I mean, pretty much everybody has heard of Robert Kiyosaki who wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Well, he bought his first properties with a credit card. Mm. Okay. So talk about using debt as a tool. And then on the complete 180 opposite side of the spectrum, you have Dave Ramsey, who says debt is evil. And it's like, you know what? Okay. If you're carrying high interest rate credit card debt and you don't have any assets, like you don't own a home and you don't have money in a savings account and you don't have money in a retirement account or in investments, then yeah, debt is going to really hurt you because it's costing you so much money to carry it. And so that was like the first lesson that I learned was like the power of my dollars today. So when I was living paycheck to paycheck, I did this exercise where I identified my impact factor and I call it your impact factor because once you create awareness around how much money you have coming in and how much money you have going out, whatever the difference is, that's your impact factor. And then you can put that to its highest and best use. And so for me in that situation, the highest and best use of my teeny tiny little impact factor was to eliminate my high interest rate debt. Right. But like if you're, for example, I love property. I want to buy one property every single year for 10 years. Like that is my goal. Real estate is fun. Um, I also love businesses. You know, I love to invest in my businesses. I love to invest in other businesses. And so once you get to a certain level, then you can start to use debt in a different way. Like I met an entrepreneur a couple of years ago who had like $2 million in debt during the recession of 2008. And, um, you know, he was able to overcome that debt. And because he had that debt, that, that money that he borrowed, it got him somewhere. He used it to build his company. And now he's like, a multi multi millionaire. So was debt good for him? Absolutely. Was it scary for him during the recession? Absolutely. And I just want to go back to something that you said earlier that you've done in the past couple of years is you've really been honest with yourself mm. and you faced your finances and you said there were tears. And uh, yeah, <laughs> there are still tears. I am like terrible with the credit card. I'll just say it. Um, what, what Clay says is like, you know, you just don't live within your means and the credit card debt is totally different than right. Like, uh, financing something like a car. Um, like I recently bought a car and instead of paying all up front, now I have a car payment, right. Of X amount that allows me to not have to pay that cash fill up front. But I think the biggest piece of that, and I'll, I want to come back to what you're saying is the awareness like of what's going on in my finances. I think what was so scary before, and I can't believe I made it this far in life, is I did not know, I call it my monthly minimum spend, um, which is similar to the impact number, but it's how much do I have to make every month to pay my team, pay my rent, pay my bills, pay my groceries, like nothing else, like no massage, you know, no extras, but just to live. Like, what is that number? And I didn't even know it before. So now it's like this exhale because I'm making way more than that number and everything else. Then it's taxes, savings, this, that, the other thing, which is all really exciting and good. But when that monthly minimum spend is like almost evening out with what you're bringing in, like we've got problems and I was so afraid of that. Whereas now it empowers me to go out and be like, okay, cool. I need to make a little bit more this month. And like, I have the power to do that. Um, But anyway, that was a little tangent, but the credit card, I'm just going to say for my family listening, for Clay listening, I'm I'm stating it. Um, Budgeting is not my strong suit, but it's never too late to learn. Oh, and I have a strategy for that, Krista. I have a fail-proof spending strategy. And it's, again, everything is simple (laughs) for me when it comes to money. And so I I know credit cards have rewards and that's really exciting and attractive, but they do make it really easy to overspend. Yeah. So what I, and I had to do this myself. 
I, I use a spending or I have used a spending strategy where I would use an account like Chime or Aspiration Bank, which is just an online checking account that's connected to where you do all of your banking. And then I would just transfer at the beginning of every week or the beginning of every month, however much I wanted to spend, whatever my budget was or my allowance for myself, I would transfer it to that account. And then I always knew how much I had spent and where my money had gone. And I could never, ever, ever overspend because all of my spending had already been put in this account. Right. Right. And that's what we're doing now. That's what we're doing. So we have like the minimum monthlies, but then we also have like my self-care budget and these other kinds of budgets, the household budget, things like that, that depending on what quality of life you want and where you want to put your energy, which to me, that's what money is, right? It's just energy and who gets it and where we put it. And it's so interesting because I recently, obviously we recently bought a house, which is like a huge, uh, a huge scary thing. And when you take the heaviness out of it, for me, it was just like the numbers on a screen were moving from this account to this account. Like it's so interesting because you can't actually like hold it. Um, and I think like for me, it's like just seeing like, it's just numbers on a screen moving around and the less attached you are to having that on one screen versus another screen. I think that that's been a huge pivotal thing for me is like, actually like my emotional well-being just are in general. And I love that you talk about like how health, um, actually influences your wealth. And I kind of want to talk a little bit about that because I do feel like the healthier, my mindset, my body, like just my spiritual, everything, just like my well-being, uh, it reflects that, uh, in, in my finances as well. Do you, you know, can we unpack that a little bit more? Can you talk to that? Yeah, I would love to. And, you know, I think, first of all, I just want to say that it is hard to be human. And, <laughs> you know, and we, we live-, live in a capitalist world, like I- money matters, like it really does. Yeah. And, um, you know, and our physical body has limitations. And I, because when I was 20, I was diagnosed with a chronic illness. And, um, and then a few years later, I got really sick with this and I, my health insurance did not cover my medication and it was $5,000 a month. So not only did my debt begin to accumulate, then it also, because I was so young, it forced me to look at every little decision I made, like, who do I spend time with? How do I feel when I leave their presence? Am I feeling better or am I feeling worse? You know, if I get five hours of sleep versus eight hours of sleep, do I feel better? Or So I had to actually look at every single thing that I put in my mouth had an immediate impact on how I felt. Mm. So there was not like one decision that I could make in my life without it immediately impacting my health. And then meanwhile, I had this growing mountain of debt that I, you know, which was a whole nother um, scary thing for me that, that became very psychological and living in a world where there is so much noise that is steering us toward saying yes to buying things. I mean, billions of dollars go into advertising to, you know, train us to say yes or make a certain decision. So you know, the, the health and the wealth equation is really about deciding what is important to me. Like what is my agenda for myself? Because what is right in front of my face right now, whether it's like an ad for a hamburger at, you know, 5 PM when you're commuting home from work or, you know, something really sparkly at eye level in a grocery store, like, um, to, to get past that and to like reconnect for me, reconnect with what it is that I value and where I'm trying to go. That was so very powerful for me. Yeah. I think that's so important. And I love your like holistic approach to wealth because it's, it's mindset. It's taking care of your body. Like it sort of encompasses everything. And then these really specific actions that you can take. And for me, it was really hard to be like, you know, I sort of, 
had that attachment to, I work really hard. I work 40 hours a week. I should be able to afford this, blah, 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 blah. And then this resentment builds and blah, blah, blah. So again, for me, it was so much of like getting out of my way emotionally and nothing actually changed in my bank account, except for the actions that I started taking in my life. Like I wasn't actually like actively charging more even, right. Or doing anything differently in terms of the money in the bank account itself. It was these other practices and these other actions that I started taking in my life that made a really big difference. And a big piece of that too, was like, where do I want to put my energy and money is energy. And it can be so easy, you know, to go into a store for one thing, you know, there's that like typical target saying where you like go to target for, you know, toilet paper and like $300 later, you know, and that's the society we live in. And it's like, we have to have those boundaries. We have to have those practices. So can you share some of your sort of like favorite practices or habits that somebody could start taking right now? I think oftentimes when it comes to money, it's like, we feel like it's too late or, um, you know, we're already like sort of like in this rabbit hole and we can't get out of it. So what are some like a lot of people listening to this too are entrepreneurs, small business owners, like very aware of their financial situation. Um, what are, you know, some ideas or, or tools that you have for these people, including myself? Well, <clears throat> it's never too late. It's never too late to start building wealth. And and it's a spectrum, right? So if you're in a, a hole of debt like I was, or you're taking a six-figure um, income to a seven figure income, um, you're always going to have somewhere that you can grow and expand into. So just know that, you know, just getting started is the most important thing. And the, the practice that is the most powerful, that's been the most powerful and in my, I'm going to call it abundance because, you know, financial security is one thing, but abundance is a Mm. whole nother ball game. And that's when it gets really fun. It just feels yummier that way. Oh yeah. And And who doesn't want that? you know, the world is your oyster and it's like what you think about, you truly do bring about. And so the first practice for me is gratitude. You know, like every single morning before I get out of bed, I say five things that I'm thankful for. My health is always on that list, but we do know now in 2021 that the brain can create new neuropathways. We didn't know this when I was born. In fact, I remember my parents saying, you know, that the brain just, you know, crumbles and dies as you get older. And that's so sad, but we know that that's not true now. And so these practices are actually changing your vibe, your vibration. And because of the law of attraction, when you are in a thankful state of gratitude, then you will start to bring in more things to be thankful for. So I know that, you know, for the listeners, you know, a lot of people are like, just give me the strategy, Holly. What do I do with my money? But this is like, you know, building wealth is 20% strategy and 80% psychological. This is that psychological component that you might not be able to grasp onto right now. But if you start a gratitude practice or a giving practice, Mm. you know, find ways to give every day. It doesn't have to be financial. It can be your energy. It can be a smile. It can be your resources, but just giving to other people that opens the flow for you to receive more. And we all want to create personal wealth because we want to receive more of those things that we value in life. And the shortest path to receiving is to just give. And, you know, I, I didn't know this at at the beginning of my journey to, to personal wealth. In fact, I believe that I became financially independent because I started practicing these, you know, affirmations and stillness, um, you know, surrounding myself with community who supports me and elevates me. And that happened for me after I got divorced, I was married for 10 years. And in our divorce, we ran a company together and, um, and it was fruitful, you know, like we made good money and, um, we provided a lot of jobs for people and, um, and, and when we split up, he kept the business that was part of our agreement. And I had to then rebuild my income. And that was very scary. And because I was so hyper-focused on the strategy component of creating wealth, 
um, it was, it was taking me so far, you know, I was debt free and I had some savings, but I wasn't totally living a life of design where I could just work and do whatever I wanted. And so I started to think about things differently and I started studying abundance and the principles of prosperity. And literally within three years, I became financially independent. Yeah. The mind is so powerful and there's that those shifts, like it's so nice talking to you, like a literal financial expert, right. Telling us these things because that gives you some control back too, because, you know, you don't have control over a lot of things, but you do have control over your thoughts. And I say all the time, you know, thoughts are things. And when I'm in that state of gratitude, which when money is scary, cash flow is low, all of these things, right. There's also a lot of opportunities out there. And I think that's where the education component comes in. Like, I really wish that we were educated differently in school. Um, I feel like there's no, like, especially as an entrepreneur, how to pay taxes, how to do all of these things. One thing that sticks out to me is when we were trying to get a home loan, you know, we've been like writing off a serious amount every year because you have to pay so much in taxes. I especially live in the state of California. So it's like absolutely horrendous how much I pay every year in taxes. And so what our accountant does is tries to write as much off, right? So that it looks like we made less. And that's like the typical small business entrepreneurial mindset, except when you're trying to buy a house bingo, and no one tells you that. And so it's like, you have to learn these things. And I think, um, I'm definitely learning as we go, but I'm just so grateful for people like you uh, that are teaching this. And I think sharing the mindset component, like for me, getting that Lakshmi statue and what happened for me a couple months back, like, and this is in the middle of COVID. We lost our biggest client. We had a brick and mortar. Uh, You know, we were making really good money with this client, like really, really good. I would say 50 to 70% of our monthly income was coming from this client. We were forced to obviously totally restructure once COVID hit and they had to close. And this like, you know, we had a lot of eggs in a basket that didn't pan out, but it was actually this amazing blessing in disguise. We got a small PPP loan, like nothing to write home about. Um, but I shifted my mindset towards abundance and I've never done that. So it's always been about service. It's always been about helping people. It's always been about growing as a business, reaching more people, but it was never specifically money. Mm. And towards the end of the summer, I was like, we need money. Like period, I need to shift my entire mindset because I understand the law of attraction. I understand the power of money. And I've always been afraid I think a big piece of this is I'm on the spiritual path and there's a lot of like conversation about whether or not money is a good thing. But I ended up, you know, I've said this on the podcast before this Baba in in Nepal said to me once, you know, money, uh, Shiva worships money and, you know, we worship money and it's all with the intention behind it, which sort of gave me permission to like be on the spiritual path and make money because that's what I want. I want both. I want to be like super devoted and abundant and that's okay. And so over the fall, um, I shifted that mindset and I was like, I'm calling it in. Mm -hmm. And I didn't charge more. I didn't change anything. I didn't pay off a credit card. Like I literally didn't do anything on the strategy side. What I did do was research a Lakshmi statue from Delhi, India, right? Got this statue for like $35, $40, put it in the middle and every day um, said, thank you. And said, uh, you know, put flowers, put offerings at the feet of this Lakshmi statue and whatever Lakshmi is to you, right? It doesn't have to be Lakshmi. Lakshmi in Hinduism is the goddess of abundance, wealth, fertility, et cetera. And so that was my way of like calling it in energetically because those are the practices that I, that I follow, but it can be anything, right? A a fountain, for example, is a really good representation of wealth, the flowing energy, that kind of thing, which I also got, by the way, that's what I did. I actually spent money (laughs) on a Lakshmi statue in the fountain and every day said, thank you. Every day called it in every day, put this intention out there that money is easy. Money is flow. Money is infinite. Money is energy. And within six months, we bought a house Mm. and over summer, 
it was scary how low cash flow was. Like, I mean, scary, which is why I made that decision to call it in and to put my energy for the first time in business towards that because it's always been service, people, growth, you know, all of these things, but without specifically saying money. And as soon as I got really specific about it, things started to change. And then I have a great team and a great strategy and I know where to put it and I know how to invest it, right? So it really is both. But I'm just so grateful to hear you say that because we have control over that. You don't have to get a Lakshmi statue, right? You can print, <laughs> you can print out a picture of an affirmation that resonates mm-hmm. with you. But I think at the end of the day, like it's already yours. And it's just a matter of like getting it onto your energy like uh wavelength, you know, and, and calling it in. And I'm just, you know, it's so powerful to hear you say that that's a first step for people. Oh, so many gems, Krista, in what you just said. I love that. And it's so beautiful. And, you know, money is neutral. It will take on whatever energy you give it. Amen to that. I think, so especially like a lot of my clients are in the spiritual community and actually get hate for making money, for being financially successful, which is like, so awful to me because that money behind the scenes is paying for so many things, like going to so many nonprofits, so many powerful organizations. Mm -hmm. And even if it's not whatever, it's totally up to you with what you do with it. But again, money is neutral. And that is like the biggest mic drop. And I think for so long, I had this mindset that money was a bad thing. And I've like seen people become really financially successful really quickly in this ugliness that can surround that and this greediness. But again, that's all intention. That's all up to you, what you do with that. And it's so sacred. And I really feel like my relationship with money is one of the most sacred relationships that I have. And in any relationship, there needs to be a healthy amount of detachment. And when you get too attached and when you hold on and you're afraid to invest and afraid to spend, and that's one of the things I see most with my clients is not only are they terrified to invest and terrified to spend, but they're terrified to make money. Yeah. It's just this like paralysis in general around money. And where does that come from? Why do we feel this way? You know, I think that money is a beautiful tool to activate our purpose. And there is a worthiness component. And we, so many times in the world that we live in, we forget to acknowledge ourselves. We forget to acknowledge how hard it is to be human. And that, you know, if you make it out of childhood, then good job. Good for you. Because if you're an adult, you have experienced some kind of trauma in your life. You know, whether you had two parents who loved you and tucked you in every single night, or you didn't, you grew up in a safe neighborhood or you didn't, you know, we all come out of childhood bruised in some way. And that impacts us. That impacts our, our, our feelings about our ability to realize our potential. And so that's why the beginning of the wealth journey always starts with you and what is inside of you. And the more we can go deeper into ourself, into our soul, into our truth, and let those thoughts in our head just flow right past us. You know, as you said, thoughts are things. Just because we have a thought doesn't mean we have to follow it. But there's so there's an infinite source of well-being and solutions and power that's just sitting inside of us waiting to be activated. And taking care of our money is the ultimate act of self-care. It's the way that we provide value to others. It's the way that we receive from others. And, you know, in the giving and receiving game, like when you give something to someone, you want them to receive that. Like you want that completion. You want to see the joy and and, and it, it, it's a gift in itself just to give. And so put yourself on the other side of that mm. and, and, and know that, 
you don't have to do anything. You don't have to achieve anything to be worthy. You are worthy because you were born, period. Mic drop. <laughs> I mean, that was amazing. Um, I was writing that down because that's going to be the sound bite that I used to tease this episode. <laughs> I, it's just so powerful. And like, there's a reason, obviously, why you're a thought leader in this, so successful in this, because I'm sitting here like so financially <laughs> empowered right now. It's like the money in my account doesn't even really affect how I'm feeling right now. And I think that level of detachment is so important. And, and my dad has said this from such a young age. I remember he's always in my mind been super successful because we've always had nice things. And as I got older, I've actually realized they've had a lot of up and downs, a lot of tough spots, a lot of moments where we had to sell the thing, move, et cetera. But for me, my, you know, it just felt very safe the whole time in that I, I strongly attribute to their mindset around it. And my dad said, you know, I don't remember what I was asking him, but this is one of the early on pieces of advice that he gave me that has just stuck with me. And it's, you cannot attach your happiness to the dollar amount in your bank account, or you will forever be miserable and you cannot. So whether it's up or whether it's down, money will always come. It will always go. It will be high. It will be low. It you'll be, you know, fully abundant. You'll be super tight and your happiness cannot depend on that number. And for me, that's so hard. First of all, that's so hard because obviously when things are flowing, when money's coming in, it just like feels going back to this worthiness, right? All of these things that we are programmed to associate with money. So you saying, right, you're worthy and all of these things just by being born. One of my earlier mantras that I got from one of my mentors was you are worthy of abundance, unconditional love. And I forget the other thing simply by existing, right? Mm. And oh, what an exhale. Like we just spend so much time trying to prove, trying to do, trying to this, trying to that. And if you just allow yourself to receive, and I think that's such a beautiful sort of space to bring this all together is like, it is such a gift for the giver if you receive. Mm -hmm. And I remember, um, I was actually a couple years ago, I had, I have a client, I have a lot of really wealthy friends actually, which I think has for me really expanded my idea of what's possible. When you surround yourself with people who have a really negative relationship with money, obviously that's going to trickle, trickle off into your world. And in the last couple of years, I've met some really financially successful people across the board in business and art and music and sports. And it's like, wow, there's so much possible. And one of my clients, uh, somebody I had a project with very, very wealthy, uh, one of my other friends sort of played the middleman and she was like, Hey, she's going to call you and offer to pay for the whole weekend and put you guys up. And I need you to just receive and not be awkward and weird about it. Just receive, like, don't be weird. It's a gift and it's a gift for her, for you to receive, yep. like just fucking receive. Yep. And that is so hard. And I had to be like, okay. And sure enough, the call came, Hey, we're going to this, this, and this, like the amount of money that this person was putting out, I could never like repay. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is so awkward and uncomfortable. And, and I was just like, thank you so much. I'd love to, you know, like what a concept in just receiving. And for me, knowing that you're worthy of receiving and like, I don't deserve this or I can never pay you back or how would I ever repay? Like, it's not about that. It's not about that. You give in so many ways, maybe not financially, your energy, your services, your gifts, like to be able to receive is actually a gift for the person trying to fucking give you something. And the more you can get in that mindset, like you said, of finding that balance between giving and receiving, you give, you receive that energy, that's balance. And when that's out of whack and when you feel like, oh, I'm giving all the time, I'm so resentful, but are you actually allowing that like possibility to receive and calling that in? Um, and I'm just so glad that you said that because that has been, I think, hands down the biggest lesson for me. Um, and I've had to be reminded 
a bunch. Uh, just, can you just receive this? Like, I'm trying to hold space for you right now. Can you just like, let me, you know, like, why is that so hard? Yeah. Yeah. We're just, we're trained to be really hard on ourselves. but you know, I want to undo all of that. I want us to be kinder and gentler and, and just easy on ourselves. You know, it's, it's, it's all, it's okay. You know, you're doing okay just to make it through the day. <laughs> small wins. I talk about that all the time. Small wins. Even if the sun's out, I'm like, yes. 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 <laughs> and I have no control over that, but, oh, this has been such a great conversation. I'm so happy to share this. And I know people are going to be curious as to where to find you, how to read the book, how to connect. Holly teaches courses, lectures, this, that, another. You can book a call. So give me all the calls to actions. How do we learn more? How do we read the book? Obviously, we'll put it in the show notes, but just what's the tea? Yeah, for sure, Krista. This has been amazing. Thank you so much for the time. You can find me on Instagram at Holly Morph, H-O-L-L-Y-M-O-R-P-H. And at my website, financialimpact.com. And you can get the book there or you can find it on Amazon. And again, the book is called Simple Wealth. And I think I'll just title this episode Simple Wealth with Holly Morphew because that feels good. And I'm just so stoked for you. I think it's like so, so powerful. And if we could just end, you know, on one last question, it's like if you could sort of give one piece of advice or like say one prayer or one hope or one wish, um, for anybody listening to this or anybody that's in a rough patch, because I think when you're in a rough patch, that's when it's really hard. Obviously when things are going well, it's easy to be grateful, but if you're in a rough patch, if you're feeling low, if you're feeling unworthy, like there's just like sort of one note you could leave them on, what would that be? I would say, you know, every day you are either building wealth or you're not, it doesn't matter how much money you make. What matters is how much you keep and what you do with it. That's amazing. I should write that down. (laughs) Thank you for being here. I love talking about money and you make it so comfortable and easy. And I actually do have a question for you, but I'm going to ask it privately when we hang up because there's a difference between authenticity and transparency. So, um, but for everybody listening, Holly is just a wealth of information, no pun intended. And I highly recommend checking her out, following her also joining your email list because you share so much value. So can you join that by just going on your website? Is it really easy? Yeah. In fact, you can go to financialimpact.com and there's a little, it says, get started on your path to wealth. Just enter your name and email. And basically you're going to get all my good stuff. Yeah. I love your emails. They're like such little valuable nuggets of just amazingness. And it just like gets me thinking and the right mindset to then be able to take that strategy and do something with it. So thank you. And to all my listeners, this was such a cool episode. This was so special. I want to do more like this because it's, um, it's medicine for me and I know it's medicine for you too. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And until next time, keep growing. 